Fallen! You gotta stop looking back. When you get looking back, is a stiff neck. Listen, there's only one flavor to a margarita, and it ain't strawberry. You know, find social groups, hang out with like-minded people. We're gonna talk about whatever the fuck we wanna talk about. How's that? Have you ever had a corned beef taco with mustard? All right, all right. Everybody take a knee, drink some water. I know you all want to get the fuck out of here, so let's get this show started. Since I've been to your uh, mic, so um, uh, I'm a little nervous. What's that have to do with what we're broadcasting? I don't know, but it's just making me nervous looking at your big black mics here. So anyways, uh, <laughs> sorry. hey, listen, I'm a little nervous, man. We're, we're in front of a, um, a very famous person, a chef. Uh, yeah, uh, first, uh, a mentor, broadcast guest. Uh, first, uh, yeah, uh, first guest, like actually in the studio with us. If you can call this a studio, I guess. It's, you know, it's probably the one we normally broadcast. Yes, it is. Um, I see crickets. So, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Right on, man. Well, that, guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, let me start by saying I could watch you two do this pretty much all day long. It's entertaining as hell, but um, uh, to, for the reason that we're here, I guess, uh, my name's Chef Christopher Wolf. Um, I'm a lifetime culinarian, but more importantly today, I'm a chef instructor and the executive chef at the Arizona Culinary Institute. So, uh, what exactly is a culinarian for us that only speak in words with two syllables? Oh, God, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, simpleton speak here. We got mm. a lot of grunts listening to this broadcast. So oh, yeah, no. Confusing. You're right, you're right. I, I feel that. Um, so, a uh, fancy way of saying a uh, cook, uh, someone who's interested in food, uh, someone who plays with food. Is that simple enough? So, Mario, in other words. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's exactly who I was talking about. I, uh, yes, I love food. So, does that make me an expert? You play with it as well. Yes. You need to do that. No, no, culinary and an expert, not, not not synonymous there. Not necessarily. So you would say you are a, a professional in the sense that you've had formal training, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I went to school back east. I'm originally East Coast guy, but I went back to school in um, the Culinary Institute of America uh, back in New York. So, yeah, I went to school and just, yeah, it's been a, a lifetime of just gutting it out in the industry as well. So you said now today you are uh, you work for Arizona Culinary Institute. What exactly is your role there at the school? So um, I've been here for about 12 years. In the entirety of those 12 years, I've been instructing, uh, teaching a variety of classes here. But I guess most importantly, a couple years ago, I was promoted to executive chef of the school, uh, which means I sort of help the boss kind of run things around here when he's not around, um, and then just sort of be his right-hand man. See, I told you he was a big shot man. Well, this I didn't say I was, he was. Uh, I was just, he's a little shy. I'm trying to get him to open up a little. I prefer um big fish in a little pond kind of a thing. I don't know, man. This is a pretty pretty big pond to us. Um, and I'll tell you why, man. The, he, here's the thing. Um, I've known you for a few years now. We started working together on on a few different projects and, and helping you guys out uh, become a veteran supportive campus. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, we'll get into that right now. And um, uh, Chef Wolf has really been instrumental in helping out um, not just the students here, but the uh, veteran population, uh, the students coming to his school, um, and even outside in the community as well with a few other programs like the Culinary Boot Camp program as well, right? Um, so there is a reason why he's here, not just because he's a cool guy. Um, by the way, um, I love your tattoos. And I love your intensity. The first time I met you, I actually thought you were a veteran, uh, <laughs> just because of the way you were talking, uh, the things you were you were saying, your interest. 
um, you have some pretty uh, cool interest. You do what? Uh, what? What? What would you call uh, your uh, your style of running? Uh, long distance running, oh ultra yeah, marathoner, crazy ass ultra marathon stuff, insane. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not sure how smart we are, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, we get something out of it for sure. We do it, these big dumbass long runs and you know triathlons and things like that. But it's those 50, 60 mile runs that yeah, I'm not so sure. Uh, so <laughs> we're the smartest folk in so the world. So those things are what made me believe that you were a veteran because it's very extreme right uh, uh, being a chef as we've discovered um, is uh, very uh, similar to being in the military right uh, and like I said your intensity and the fact that you wanted to help out veterans so much uh, and the students coming to your school right when they were under stressful situations how you could help de-escalate all those things not just to get them to come to your school but also once they get here how do you keep them here and have them be successful right so all of those things First of all, that's what you know really interested me about you, uh, but that's what really made me think. And I think it took me a few uh, times meeting you before I realized I'm like, oh, he's not a he's not a veteran. He just wants to do cool shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and help us out a little bit. So right. that was really cool, man. So I just want to tell you I appreciate that. Um, so with that being said. Um, Abe here is going to ask you a few different questions about the programs and stuff like that. Uh, and um, we'll get started on that. And then I also want to talk a little bit about your background, too, and, you know, kind of how you got started in all this. So. Well, let's do it. All right. So first of all, Mario, you can put the water bucket away. No one's getting waterboarded today. <laughs> oh. Seriously. No, you got your hopes up. Actually, I am thirsty. Just drink it. Can I borrow some of your... Sure. You can have the rest. Thanks. So one of the things I wanted to talk about before we got into uh, the school and your background specifically was, uh, you know, in our show we talk a lot about different um, different pathways for veterans once they transition out of the military. And one of the reasons we wanted you on the show today was because you have what we consider to be an alternative pathway. So a lot of guys, they get out, they go get a 9 to 5 or they start working, you know, that's like one path. They get a job, they go right to the workforce. Um, another path is they got that sweet GI Bill. They get out and they go to college and they pursue a traditional degree, you know, you know, something like economics or business or whatever. But I a, think a BS degree. Yeah, a BS just, degree. Just, well, I'll just put it out there, man. That's Bachelor of Science for you, Chris. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what makes this place so interesting is that one, you are an accredited school, so you do accept GI Bill uh, payments. But what is also different is when the students come here and they earn something, a certificate, a degree, if you will. That's actually they're learning skills right away. So they're 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 in the school, and I'm looking on your website. And it says that you guys have a 90% placement rate. So that's nine out of ten people that graduate here are getting jobs. But what I thought was great was 80% hands-on cooking time. So 80% of the time that you're at the school, you're learning your trade, your craft, and you know Mario alluded to the environment. If anybody's ever spent any time in a kitchen in a line as a line cook or in a prep cook or anything like that, if you ever seen a restaurant work during a service hours like dinner service or something like that, that environment is very hectic. And there's a lot of yelling, there's a lot of screaming, but there's it's a lot hot. of order, right? There's a lot of order in that. Yeah, one thing that um, Mario has kind of helped us with over the last couple of years, you know, we've, uh, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later, but this whole Arizona Veterans Supportive Campus thing that we're a part of um, is back when we started working with you guys and the coalition. 
and getting some uh, veteran culture training here at the school. But one thing that uh, Mario's helped us understand over the last couple of years is, you know, how many similarities you can actually draw between uh, maybe some of the culture that, that you veterans have, you know, been exposed to and actually, you know, the life that we live here at the school and how things are in the industry, um, things I would have never considered before. Um, but, you know, the more we spend time with Mario and the more he teaches us about the culture, you know, we're learning things like, you know, the uniforms that we wear and how we wear them and the chain of command and the, um, the, the camaraderie and the teamwork that are here in the school and you know while not on the same level but some of the intensities of the kitchen and some of the the conditions that we're in you know a lot of you know the veteran community you're ready for this I mean you this was your former career and you know now that you're switching and coming out and trying to look at a, a different pathway and something different to do you have so many of the skill sets required to be successful in, in what we're teaching here at the school and you know I would have never considered that prior to uh, this uh, training that we've been doing and you get to play with knives yeah, you right. know that that always seems to be a big selling point. You know, yeah. knives and fire, knives yeah. and fire. That's what I would I would stick to that. <laughs> and when you talk to a veteran, that's all you need to say is knives and fire, uh, and I think they're the yours. Nice. So here's one thing though: you mentioned eighty percent hands-on cooking. Mm-hmm. So how much of that percentage do you spend eating the food? Because that's what I'm interested in. Well, so do they good get to news, eat the food? You know, Mario. So <laughs> I, I can't believe you still haven't enrolled in the program. I mean, you definitely talk us up enough. Um, but you know, uh, good news is everything that you cook, you got to try. So um, we're go. cooking, we're tasting. Um, you know, everybody. The strange thing though is how much we eat around here. Um, everybody always assumes you know you go to college and there's the whole freshman fifteen and you know got it's got to be ten times worse here because you know uh, we're eating, eating, eating all day long. But we're also, a lot of folks that come here are spending more time on their feet than they used to. And believe it or not, despite how much we're eating, a lot of times people lose weight when they come to culinary school. So my mom used to say, never trust a skinny chef. I'm screwed then. But, (laughs) so I was going to ask you, so does that stand true? Uh, Hell no, hell no. no. Okay, I'll tell you this, because obviously not. I've had your food, uh, but you also run a thousand miles a day or so, right? Give or take a one or two miles. Give or take a couple hundred, yeah. But... um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You're on your feet a lot, so there's a lot of stress there on your body. It's hot. I know that some of those places, especially when you're instructing, you got to turn off the fans, right? Mm-hmm. And so in order for them to listen and all that, and it gets really hot in there. And it reminds me, I don't know about you, Abe, it reminds me about, you know, being in a Humvee or maybe over uh, deployment, uh, standing in a, inside a, a tower on a gate or doing a march or patrol march, things like that, maybe without getting shot at. But physically, we don't encourage that here. That, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not part of the problem. Well, I, I've attended a couple <laughs> of the uh, the classes, the the weekend boot camp classes, and some of the things that have stood out to me on why this would be a great place for veterans. Um, not only what we talked about the the hyper intense environment where you're you're doing things quickly, you have to make quick decisions, the, the rank and file, the pecking order, and, and then you know a little bit of the cursing. Not gonna lie, but <laughs> what I thought stood out to me too was the camaraderie. I have uh, watched some of the chefs operate, and they're snapping orders at people because they got to get things done quickly. And um, their subordinates, you know, yes, chef, right away, chef, things like that. But I've not seen one time anybody with a frown on their face, you know. And I see them over there after they're done cooking, hanging out, having a, a glass of water or whatever. And it just seems like everybody has that camaraderie like we do in a squad, you know. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, in the kitchen, it, things get so busy and so hectic and so loud that there's not always a lot of room for long, drawn-out conversations. Sometimes, you know, people that aren't used to it, you know, we come across as, you know, snippy or you're getting, quote-unquote, yelled at. But as far as I'm concerned, getting yelled at, somebody has to physically raise their voice and scream at you. And when somebody's just giving you a quick, direct order that you need to respond to pretty quickly, that's just effective communication. And, and we do that a lot here in the kitchens. There's a lot of effective communication. But then afterwards, you know, we're all sitting down around a table and talks like an NCO doesn't (laughs) (laughs) we're all sitting around and we're we're sharing food and we're having a having a soda having a cup of water afterwards and you know we we, we're intense in the kitchen and then when we leave you know we're all celebrating the fact that we were in there for the same reason having a good time and it's just this thing we love doing it's cooking and you know nobody takes any hard feelings away from that you know and uh, the environment here is a direct result of the effort that you put into this place and so you should be very proud of the, the way things operate and the people that are here so let's take this opportunity real quick and let's start talking about the programs you have here in the school itself and uh, kind of give us a broad overview of what you do here so um the main thing that we do here is our our, our main bread and butter program pardon the pun um <laughs> is you know we we're a, a culinary school only okay there we're not any sort of other college we don't have any gen ed classes there's no filler uh people that come to school here are going to be 100 percent exposed to classes that are going to immerse them in the culinary arts um, our biggest program, uh, every student that comes to the school, regardless of what their main focus is, what their main interest is, whether it's culinary arts, baking and pastry management, every student takes every class because we want to make sure that um, all of our students are well-rounded so that maybe your passion was culinary, but just through doing a little bit of baking, you decide that you know that's more interesting and vice versa. And we want to make sure that when students have completed this program and they go out there seeking employment that they could, in theory, be successful in any aspect of the industry. So uh, when you come here, we're cooking, we're talking food. Every single class is directly related to or applicable to the field of being successful in the culinary arts. Um, there's a little bit of classroom work, but we're, if we're in a classroom, you know, maybe we're talking about if it's math, it's culinary math. If we're learning new foreign words, it's because it's culinary French. You know, we do food science, we discuss nutrition, but every single thing that we do, whether we're in, we're in a kitchen or a classroom, is all directly related to culinary arts. So that's why it's nice that at, at no point in school do you feel like, God, you know, I'm just sort of sitting through this class because I have to. Um, it's all because we want to. Um, and so that's kind of neat that all the training is, is very specific into to the mission that we're trying to accomplish. And um, and how long are the different programs that you offer here? So our main program, it's, um, you know, we have a day program and a night program, but let's just say for the sake of argument, our main program is about seven and a half months. It's six months in-house, you know, in our classes, in our kitchens, with our chef instructors, and then you finish it up with a six-week externship where you head out here, you know, locally into the valley or even across the state or even across the country and you complete six more weeks of training in an actual professional working kitchen um, where we're communicating with you and the person who's running the kitchen and just sort of checking up on you seeing how your skills have translated but it's seven and a half months from day one till graduated and out there and earning that tuition money back so i've actually seen them at work um i've been to one of the um I don't know what you call it, but it was a dinner where you had friends over. They can invite family kind of to test them out, right, before they graduate. And you guys teach them stuff about the front of the house as well, right? Oh, absolutely. So they were very professional. 
Uh, they knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, so it wasn't just like they learn how to cook or the back of the kitchen stuff, right? They learn how to run a restaurant as well, don't they? Yeah, you know, and, and customer service is a huge part of this whole thing. Um, but if you're going to be successful, you have to be able to do back of the house. You have to be able to do front of the house. And truth be told, there are some of us that maybe don't have the best people skills, so we kind of try <laughs> to hide in the kitchen. Um, but at some point in this whole crazy thing, you're going to have to be comfortable communicating with, you know, your customers. And so we definitely teach customer service because it's an important part of this whole crazy hospitality industry. So you kind of laughed when you said that. I'm going to ask you this. Are you a front of the house? Or back of the house. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm a mainly, this has fluctuated. What's your passion? This has fluctuated throughout my life, but I think right now I'm a strongly back of the house person who pretends to have front of the house skills. Right. And you probably have to learn those because of your growth and, and uh, you know, just uh, being an executive chef and, and the, your roles that you have to play, right, in the school. But really, your, your, your passion really is the, just the, the kitchen part. Yeah, slinging in the kitchen, for sure. But you never know. Every once in a while, there's crazy dudes that stop by, want to do podcasts at your school, and you have to like pretend like you're having a good time, yeah, yeah, enjoy yeah. yourself. Yeah. You, know, right. you, you guys know how it goes, right? We know how, yeah. We've been bothered by those dudes as well. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, just leave us alone, NBC. We're not coming. <laughs> But yeah, let me a quick question for you, though, Chef, because we're kind of talking about your passion and, and where you're at now. So what, what brought you here? How did you go from you went to school, you learned to be a chef, and then you put those skills to, and you worked in some, some areas. Um, why don't you go anywhere, you know, a little bit about that? And then how did you get to school here? Like, Oh, man, it's a crazy journey, and I'm, I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but it strangely started um, playing a game of street hockey when I was 14 years old, and a buddy of mine who was a dishwasher at a restaurant, uh, one of their dishwashers called out, and they needed somebody to kind of come in, so uh, that phone call, I had no idea that was going to be the, the first day for the rest of my career, but I assumed I was going to go in, earn minimum wage, walk away with a little bit of cash, and probably never have to do it again, but it kind of all started with that, and it kind of evolved into, um, you know, dishwasher washing turned to bussing tables, which turned to prep cook, which turned to line cook, which turned to culinary school. Um, and then throughout culinary school, I got really attracted to the whole fine dining side of things, you know, um, small plates, super expensive, lots of courses. Um, that was just a huge turn on for me. Um, and then, you know, you grind that out for a decade or so, and that's some hard ass work in some really tough conditions. And so I kind of reevaluated where I was at and what I was doing and where I wanted to go from here. And one thing that kept resonating with me was uh, in all of these kitchens and all these jobs, one thing that I loved to do was, was training the new people and kind of bringing them in and sort of teaching. And I thought, you know, well, hell, maybe we'll give that a try and see what teaching is like. So, you know, I, I did kind of the same research I think anybody would do when they wanted to go to the culinary school, but rather than looking at it from a from a student perspective I looked at it from a teaching perspective and that's how I stumbled across across um, Arizona Culinary Institute and so um, I, I, I contacted the president of the school who's still my boss today um, first time I contacted him he said not interested you're too young and I don't have any openings and so I was like okay you know <laughs> I, I can sometimes you know. <laughs> I can appreciate and respect that how long it's, ago was that um, you don't mind me asking. 12 years wow. 12 years I, I don't know where the hell the time went but 12 years but yeah, so um, I respected his answer, and I respected it enough to try once a month for the next six months there until I think, A, he finally did have an opening, and B, I just really think he wanted me to shut the hell up. He just got tired of <laughs> me. <Yeah. laughs> so I figured, screw it, I'll give this guy a try. He probably Trench won't be any good. I'll fire him in a week. And uh, yeah. But hey, there we go, 12 years ago, and here we are. Well, you're doing a great job, like we talked about. Um, and so you've put you're kind of your own spin on the place a little bit, you know. Primarily from what we're exposed to is the work you do with veterans, um, particularly the uh, the boot camp. 
So why don't you tell us a little bit about the boot camp classes you do for veterans? Like, what's it for? What's the purpose? And yeah, the boot camp classes are are, are really a pretty amazing thing, and I, I love what we're doing here. Um, again, it's always so much background and stories go into all these things, but you know, through being an Arizona veteran supportive campus and and meeting a bunch of great peoples and a bunch of great organizations, we were approached at one point. Uh, by an organization who uh, thought it would be interesting if maybe we could host some culinary boot camp classes here and maybe get you know some veterans who had just come back or were sort of kind of struggling to figure out what they wanted to do or were looking for you know just some sort of way to get out of the house and engage again on uh, what if we started doing cooking classes here at the school uh, no charge uh, and you know the veterans were able to come uh, bring a family member bring a friend bring a spouse and then get out of the house and, and learn a, a, a legitimate skill set that we could start using at home uh, do a little bit more cooking for yourself save a little bit of money work on health nutrition things like that and so what if we did these classes you know once a month once every other month um, and just sort of see how it goes and so you know we're a small school and so we we agreed and kind of on a trial basis you know, we limit the classes to about 30 total guests per class. Um, and uh, in the beginning, we were we were very fortunate that the uh, Arizona Department of Veteran Services was able to find us a little bit of grant money to help kind of pay for some equipment and some groceries uh, to get the classes going. But at this point, uh, through some fundraisers that we do here at the school and uh, sort of a partnership that we have with some of the other local organizations, um, we're completely self-sustaining at this point. And it's been a really wonderful program. Um, the results have been fantastic. I've gotten to meet some amazing people, hear some amazing stories, and just time after time, I hear just the greatest feedback from the folks that join us about what we're learning, how we're applying it at home, but even just the time spent here at the school and getting out and reconnecting with friends, family, loved ones, and, and just having a nice time. It's, it's been really amazing, and every one of us on staff that's had an opportunity to teach these classes, we all agree how extremely rewarding it's been. That's awesome, and we've heard the same uh, feedback as well, and um, I wrote an article, actually, um, on the last class uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, it was actually about the whole program itself, but it was after the last class. And um, the people that I've interviewed and talked about it um, kind of all say the same thing, that it, it has taught us something uh, that brings value to the whole family, right? It's not like, you know, some veterans like to go shooting or hanging out with their, their buddies or, uh, you know, doing some kind of extreme sport and something like that where it's, you know, satisfying for them or, you know, physically it's good for them and so they can get out of the house and stuff like that. But this one, it's one of those that the whole family can share. Uh, and so for veterans, sometimes that is the missing link. When we talk about uh, camaraderie in the military, right, um, you know, there's nothing like that camaraderie of your family again and being able to share those experiences with them. And that is one of the biggest things we keep hearing from people is that this is something they can teach their kids uh, or if their kids are old enough, they can bring them to the classes, uh, their spouses are loving it uh, they're saying you know we actually compete right yeah, so there was a little uh, competition last week in the last one i will say that. yeah yeah between you and your your being an wife. unnamed individual yeah. <laughs> who thought he could cook uh, oh you're talking about me yeah. no you know and from my experience with your <laughs> classes I, I will tell you that um to kind of piggyback on what mario was saying is is that it, first of all it's a very inviting environment it's a very um, relaxed environment very low stress um the people that i've seen attend myself included because you allow them to bring that friend, that spouse, that family member, it really is like bringing their support system. And you know, in a way, you're, you're kind of vulnerable in the kitchen if that's not what you do for a living. So you kind of have to listen, 
because if you're not if you don't obviously it's not going to work out right but one thing i give your, your staff credit for from the chef leading the the course to the assistants in there supporting you know logistically and kind of going around and helping the groups everybody is very supportive and I've yet to hear any of your chefs say, hey, you fucked that up. You know, even I even said, I was like. I'm sure they thought it. Well, I know I did, sure but I was making the bread, and I threw all these onions in a little ahead of time, and I go, yeah, I fucked that up. You and, did, actually. And she's like, no, no, no mistakes. She's like, you can fix it. It's not broken. And, you know, because I was ready to throw it away and then go do push-ups for not paying attention, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you guys have such a great environment there. And then the other thing, too, is um, you guys don't teach, for lack of a better word, you don't teach a bunch of crazy shit. Like, I'm not in here making some weird souffle thing that I won't ever cook. I'm learning to make, you know, like the class on eggs. How yeah. practical is that? You know, we made bread this week. But with the bread, we not only made the bread, but we learned, you know, like we learned about gluten. We learned about the different ingredients, how they affect the, the end product. And, uh, you know, we're fucking around. And all of a sudden, I learned some nutrition. Like, I was like, wait, whoa, wait, what? Like, this is how <laughs> I can adjust this to be healthier and things like that. And at the end of the day, you know, it's just a great class. Um, and I will say that, and I think you agree with this, Mara, there's all different kind of veterans there. Yes, there were. Ages, too, uh, different eras, mm-hmm. uh, different issues, some physical issues. Some mental, some, some emotional. Uh, you know, yeah. Post-traumatic stress, whatever, you name it. Uh, then there was Abe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, that's, that's a whole other thing, <laughs> <laughs> issue itself. So, But I'll say this, uh, the egg class, and not just because you didn't and you're sitting here in front of me. Uh, but it really, <laughs> No, no. It changed my life, man. Something so simple that changed me and my girl. We'll compete on how to make the best omelet. That's awesome. I mean, you saw us there just at the class alone. Uh, But even for her, um, she just won't go back. You know, and not only is it better, it made it simpler and easier and quicker. We're like, wait a minute. So you think you're going to go to to learn how to bake and and make these things? And so you're saying things are just going to take longer now because now I'm cooking my own food. No, no. This is actually better tasting food and it's made even faster than what I used to make and you're like how can you make uh, eggs faster trust me the (laughs) way you taught us simple faster better um and uh, that's no joke man and and it just kind of goes back to what I was saying it 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 has that camaraderie and it teaches you these life lessons that I think as veterans we just enjoy that stuff you know and it gets back to the roots of you know part of being in the military is learning those new things right and taking Mm -hmm. on those new challenges so um you really hit something there um the other thing I'll tell you is you don't have to tell us what it is but have you uh decided what the next one's going to be about you know, we're, not yet. we're still mulling that one over. Um, Just so you know, we we threw out some suggestions oh, to, yeah. um, oh, I forget her name, the chef they? that did it last one. Chef Sidik. Yes. So Cedic, we, man, um, we, uh, we had four hours <laughs> <laughs> Apparently she was more impactful uh, <laughs> to, to me because Mario yeah, yeah, no. sort of let that well, one she go. She spent a lot more time fixing <laughs> Well, she, she, yes. It's like that one drill sergeant that you really know. Not everybody remembers him, but the guy that messed up the most, he definitely had that. That was him. He had that relationship. They had a bond. Um, we suggested ice cream for the summer. So I don't know if that's By a possibility. We mean, we mean him. <laughs> I want ice cream for the summer. Uh, yeah, no, she, no. She but did mention that, that that's definitely on the roster. Okay. Maybe not the next one, but one right. of the next classes. Well, we'll, we'll take a look. We want to keep people on their toes, obviously, and surprise. And, um, but um, I think you're going to have an increase on customers. We had a lot of uh, people uh, reach out to us after that uh, the, the article. Uh, it's also on Heroes Media Group, and we'll post it again so you guys can see it. Uh, but we had a lot of interest from a lot of other organizations. Uh, and I don't think I've told you this, but uh, people from like Team Red, White, and Blue, um, the new... Um, I don't know if she, what, what her title is, a uh, director, president, whatever, of the local chapter here. She's like, I'm going and I'm going to take all my people with me. 
So I don't know what that means, but I think I'm gonna we're gonna see an increase. So we'll see. We'll let them know. So you let me know as soon as you have uh, the next one planned out. Mm-hmm. We'll spread the word and we'll see. You know, we'll yeah, help support it. Um, anything you want to add on culinary boot camp? No, just uh, like I said, I, I don't know how you're comfortable you all are with giving other people shout outs on here, but you know, a local up. organization, Honor House, has been yeah. uh, really pivotal mm-hmm. in sort of helping us grow this thing. Um, they were the ones who sort of helped us get the initial grants to get it going. Um, they've been supportive of our fundraisers for the program, and um, <clears throat> week in and week out, month in and month out, they've been the ones who have probably put half to two-thirds of the bodies in that class um, for us to connect with and we've also gotten to know them real well over there and um, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure if, if we would have been quite as successful if it wasn't for their help so I just want to make sure we give them a shout out as well. Yeah, Honor House has, has been great too and um, they're, um, they're veterans, uh, I don't know if that's his title liaison but Beckett Aguirre yeah, he's awesome. um, same last name, no relations by the way uh, but um, I, I actually had ran into him in another training a long time ago and um, I ran into him at this last training he was here for the 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 boot camp and um i was asking him some questions he's one of the people i interviewed for this and um he's like hey man we have the same last name so but like i said no relations when you uh if you see him or if you you know i I didn't interview my brother in other words (laughs) it's not a family member i'm I'm, I'm doing my own investigation on that (laughs) so been cooking a long time been in the classroom 12 years let's say just roughly what is your favorite thing to teach what is your favorite thing to cook and lastly, what is your favorite thing to eat? So all three of those questions, um, nobody's ever okay with the answer. So I'm going to give you my answer and then my secondary answer. My answer is my whole career I've tried to stay really well-rounded. So rather than pick a favorite, yeah, I like to be pretty. Yeah, <laughs> so since that answer is not sexy or exciting enough, I always have my backup answer. And I just say, you know, well, how about seafood? You know, a, a part of my uh, my oh, career yeah. brought me down to, um, I used to work uh, just off the Chesapeake Bay on the eastern shore of Maryland, which is kind of where my love affair with uh, seafood began. Um, you know, growing up in central Pennsylvania, you know, seafood to us a lot of times was, I don't know, uh, frozen fish, fish sticks, fillet of fish from McDonald's. Yeah, um, there you go. You know, so not almost best. identical to Arizona seafood. More or less, yes. Yeah. Um, so when you, you kind of get out there and it's like, you know, holy shit, a real crab cake, you know, made with jumbo lump Maryland crab meat versus, oh, you man. know, imitation crab meat. And, you know, you start <laughs> to taste these these fresh things for the first time. You know, it's it's a huge eye opener. And then when you sort of see uh, the difficulty that goes into to breaking down the fish and, you know, gutting them out and cleaning them and scaling them and boning them and then cooking the stuff, you know, it's pretty challenging. And I tend to gravitate towards that. Plus, it's a skill set that, you know, a lot of times, unless you grew up in a coastal area, a lot of people don't have that seafood skill set. So I've Sort of gravitated towards that. It's my my favorite. Uh, I teach basics currently, and we spend three full days on just fish and shellfish. And I just got done with that portion with my class, and I, I probably told them, oh god, six seven times, guys, this is my favorite three days. We're gonna have an awesome time, and you know, uh, so I love to teach it. I love to cook it. I love to eat it when it's fresh, and <clears throat> I trust the person who made it. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah, seafood, yeah. man. That's, that's so nice. wait, so I don't, I don't think it goes to any place called Marisco's. <laughs> See, this yeah. guy always wants to take me to these like hole in the wall places. Go. I'll go there for some Mexican food or some other stuff because I know where that comes from. But when you talk about seafood and he wants to take me to that one place mm-hmm. down on like Van Buren and whatever. I found you Sushi Sonora, so you okay. should trust me. Sushi Sonora is amazing. And if you haven't checked it out, it's, and this is probably like Satan to the, the, to, the, the to, to, to a yeah. chef, but it is like a mixture of Mexican food and sushi. 
Hey man, there's nothing if wrong. We call that fusion. Yeah, they, fusion. they call it. Fusion. They call it fusion. <laughs> fusion yeah, in fusion. Spanish. <laughs> so, but um, um, that's awesome. But we we do get into some weird places when we go, and we do. We we kind of are foodies. Uh, we've discovered some places that are so you know they're good. They're there's some that are not not so good. Uh, but yeah, you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't necessarily eat a uh, ceviche from uh, somebody's trunk. Let's say. Okay. You know, it's, it's funny as hell you mentioned that. So <laughs> me and my brother and my sister were doing this race. We were, and I'm, I won't quote specifics because this isn't such a positive shout out, uh, but we were uh, out doing this race over the weekend and we were up kind of in a, a more rural part of Utah. Um, and we went to this restaurant and God, man, everyone in the town said, you got to go here. You got to go here. It's, it's the best food we got in town when visiting town X. You got to go there. So we were kind of stoked and hyped up on it. So we kind of went in. Um, cash only place. Uh, we, oh, went yeah. we looked at the menu, <laughs> um, and I was like, "What the hell? This is the best this town has to offer." And then when we looked at the menu, it's funny as shit because they had ceviche on the menu, and I even remember, you know, elbowing my, my brother and my sister. We were talking about. It. I said, I said "Dude, I dare any of you to get the ceviche. Just go and do." It. And we were all like, "Dude, we got a race tomorrow. None of us oh. will be, you know, exploding out of both ends of our bodies because we ate the ceviche in the middle of rural Utahville." And just, oh yeah. So um. So you didn't eat it. Oh my god, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I even said I was like, dude, anything that even remotely looks like it could have touched seafood on this menu, there's no way in hell. All right. Well, you know what? That, that we should find a place. Yeah, we should. We'll we'll find a place. Uh we'll invite you out for some one of these days and, and let's and mm, you can tell us week. and you okay. can let us know whether we and, and and you don't have to eat it. I'll eat it. No, because I'm telling you <laughs> we'll right film now. It. You I tell already me. know where I'm taking you. I'm taking you to that food truck in front of the candy store on the north side of Phoenix. Oh God! They got <laughs> truck ceviche right outside a strip club. I don't know what could possibly go wrong, right? <laughs> I don't know. Damn. <laughs> We're gonna start off strong in this challenge. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is. Well, this I, is I like Mario's side of it where he eats <laughs> it and then we laugh our asses off when he starts puking everywhere. As long yeah. as we film it, I always say, as long as we film it and we can use it for a good cause, oh, yeah, uh, exactly. Then uh, I'll, I'll do it. So. Well, you know what? I appreciate you being a, a good sport today, Chef. And um, before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to tell us about the school, the programs, yourself? You know, one I, I can never talk enough about the school. And, you know, I always hope that I come across as genuine. I don't want to have that used car salesman kind of vibe. But, you know, I, I love this place. I love being here. Um, I thought I might do it for a year, and that was 12 years ago. Um, we're, we're a small mom-and-pop operation. We're not part of a larger company, um, and it's just us. And we're, we're sort of, you know, I, I speak in analogies, but we're the little engine that could, man. I mean, um, we're, we're independent. We're privately owned, um, and we just are sitting here in Arizona doing the best damn job we can. Um, uh, we, we answer to ourselves, we answer to our students, and, you know, we just feel like we're trying to do right, you know, every single day. So, you know, while there's some other, you know, schools, culinary schools out there, part of larger, you know, corporations that maybe haven't gotten uh, the best vibe, the best rap for culinary schools, um, we're, we're trying our best every single day to, to do right by everyone that we can. So um, I love it here. We love what we do. Um, and if you've ever considered going to culinary school or you're, you know, a veteran looking to kind of figure out which direction to take life and, you know, higher education, you know, give us a try, man. We, we won't disappoint. Yeah, check them out. And I know you won't say it, but I'll say it. You guys survived where other places like uh, Port on Dew. Yeah, right. I'll just say Port on Dew. Port on Dew did not. And so <laughs> that, that says a lot about you. It says a lot about uh, the organization, the school, and the staff. Because I've known you guys for about 
what is it? We're going on four years now, I think. Something like that. And the staff rarely changes. I I have pretty much seen the the. I honestly don't know from when I remember from when I first started coming if anybody has left from the same people that are the the chefs and the the main staff, uh, the body that was here. And so that that speaks volumes too, not just because of the students, but the staff itself and the school and, and the leadership. So uh, it truly is an awesome place. And I know when you guys first started, uh, the when you wanted to, to help out veterans, it wasn't because you wanted them just to be students or come to your school. Uh, you really did start because there was someone that had issues and you wanted to know how better to assist that veteran or so that those things wouldn't happen in the future and you guys would be better equipped. And that's how we knew that you guys were truly on board with wanting to be a veteran supportive campus not just saying hey look we're friendly just like a lot of other companies and schools say we're friendly but they're saying that because they want their money they want which is fine you know we live in a uh, capitalist world but at the end of the day you want to be veteran supportive you actually wanted to learn the, the things that you needed to learn and you keep doing that uh, by or showcasing that because you keep scheduling us you keep bringing us out here to teach you guys I don't know why because you guys know podcast. you guys know more than <laughs> us now at this point I think uh, but I think you know uh, we have fun we yeah. have fun coming and out you know here and you guys are quick, awesome. chef if I'm a veteran or just anyone interested in getting involved in the school sign up where do I go to get that information so uh, best place, I think we have a, a pretty fantastic website, um, azculinary.edu. Um, but we always, you know, Monday through Friday from about 7 o'clock in the morning till 5, 6 o'clock at night, uh, we have people here on campus that are answering the phones, 480-603-1066. Um, and, hell, stop by and see us. I mean, we got uh, full admission staff on site. Uh, we give tours of the campus. There's no charge for any of that. So check out the web. Give us a call. Come by and see us. Um, we're small. We're not very formal um we keep it very personal um and yeah we're, we're all approachable so yeah any of those are perfectly good answers Which is and, uh, anybody in particular we should ask for Oh, me? No. <laughs> Anybody but All me? Right, Chris yeah. Wolf. <laughs> no, God, I said not me, not me. His personal number is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys heard it here from, from the chef, guy running the show here, doing a lot of great things here. We appreciate your time. And um, because we haven't taken enough of his enough of his time and because he's such a giver, Chef Wolf's going to stick around for Sarge's time today and uh, – handle one of life's toughest tasks which really doesn't even need to be that tough and so for all you guys that fancy yourself a grill master i would uh, get out your notebook and uh, take it take notes and if you ladies out there are looking to quote unquote i don't know snare a guy would you say or uh yeah, sure yeah snare That's, a man yeah, sure you're trying to get an anchor baby or something Fastest way to a man's heart will be discussed in the I next segment. A, so I think that's a whole other topic. Single ladies, yeah, get your get your notebook <laughs> out. And again, if you don't like what we're talking about, remember email Mario at the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of all our complaints. <laughs> I told you this was going to be a good one. So, huh, looks like we got ourselves a genius here. What are you, some kind of rocket surgeon? Tasks, conditions, and standards. Your other laugh. We're gonna go over FM six twenty two. Hey, high speed. You're going to learn today. Sergeant's time. Count me in. <laughs> Go. Uh, you heard the man. It's time for Sergeant's time. And today we're going to talk about something that really kind of separates the men from the boys in the uh, in the arena. of. You the can't backyard. say those things anymore. No, I can't. You cannot no. say those things anymore. No, this is what, a gender-biased episode. The boys from the girls from the women from the ladies. It's oh, all it the separates same. them all. All of them. Okay. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you are, all but right, I'm separating we'll you. Okay. <laughs> So here's my thing. So I'm scrolling through Instagram this weekend, right? Bored, sitting there between my son's game and the gym, just watching. 
And I see all these horrific IG pics, man. These assholes with these steaks. They look like, some of them look like the guy cooked it on a, with a welder. It looks like a piece of leather. Some other dude put a steak on there with some shitty-ass potatoes next to it. Look like someone threw up on a plate. Hey, are you talking about my picture? No, no, picture? no. no, no I'm getting to yours yet. I'm getting to yours. Mine was oh, good. You know, I threw those potatoes see, in at the end. The other thing I can't stand is, okay, look, don't cook a steak in a half a pound of butter and throw, like, a twig on the top and say that you're culinary now. Yeah. Like, no, right? wait. What? Yes. Because, first of all, asshole, that's a chuck. That's a chuck roast you cut up, and you try to say it was a steak. It's not <laughs> even a steak. So what we're going to do today is we're going to teach all you, I guess, beef challenge people out there how to cook a proper steak. As long as you end it with a bam, right? No, is that no, what no. Ever was, Lord, I knew I was going <laughs> to say something, and I was like, I was trying to study your life. Hey, what can I say? Hey, man, what do you think about Gordon Ramsay? Is that <laughs> guy cool? Has he ever cussed at you, man? <laughs> you ever met Emerald? <laughs> Ever, who's the most famous chef you ever met, man? Yeah. You got Mario. I try so hard to like you. <laughs> right, just, exactly. So, hey, man, so, no, a, so that's a no-go? You can't, is that not a good thing? Though? I'm not even going to honor How that How many response. students have done that and you've kicked them out? Yeah. I've kicked them out <laughs> literally never, figuratively in my brain. I've lost count. So we're going to start this little <laughs> segment off properly. So I was reading this recipe off the back of a Chef Boyardee box. <laughs> Yeah, no, okay, seriously, back back to task here. So, cooking a steak, right? We want to impress the family or we want to appear like we know what the hell we're doing so that our Instagram photo doesn't look like shit. Um, let's start with the, what kind of meat should we pick, Chef? So, we, we got to answer this question, you know, not from a high-end chef's perspective, but, you know, the... The chef wolf who is not teaching today but is going to the grocery store with his family and we're actually going to talk about stuff that normal folk can get their hands on so you know when i go to the grocery store you know some of the main steaks that i see uh, I'm, I'm not really interested in this that and the other thing you know filet mignon everybody knows it's the most tender and it's also by far the most expensive so a lot of times uh you know when when it's someone else's money i don't mind springing for it but a lot of times I'll yeah avoid i got that. five kids chef so. <laughs> yes, so you're not footing the bill this time no um new york strip you know there's a lot of folk out there that, that like it that that steak never blows my hair back um you know, top sirloin is another one that a lot of people go for. It's still not my favorite. There's two in particular that I'm, I'm focused on. I'm a huge fan of a ribeye. Love me a ribeye. And then another one, and this is where maybe I'm just going to give you that little bonus that a lot of folk. Yeah, see, I, I think you guys are trying to anticipate my next answer. The answer is a flat iron steak. Oh, what? A flat yeah, iron steak. Now, T Bone and Porterhouse. Yeah, no, yeah. okay. Those are good. But they got bone in, <laughs> and there's are, a whole other. cuts, man. Yeah, they're big, and they're, there's, there's other issues to deal with. But I love me a ribeye, and I love a <laughs> flat iron steak. And those ones, while they're not as easy to find, you know, every time I go to my grocery store of choice, they have them right there um, in, in the meat department next to all the other steaks. And those are the two main ones that I'm going to focus on ribeye, flat iron. All right. So, quick question about those. And here's, here's been my experience. Um, I do all the shopping at my house. Way, way back in the day in a, in a former life, I actually worked in the meat department for, for Fry's Grocery Store out here in the, in the west, western United States, right? One thing that I would like you to talk about, um, maybe just for a second, is how do you find those steaks? Because I know that as a butcher, be a former meat cutter, that I can go to the butcher and ask, hey, I want this cut to a certain size or whatever. And or, for example, can you grind me up a chuck roast because I need some hamburger meat, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some questions that the average Joe should be asking the meat guy when they go looking for steaks and they can't find what they want? 
So it's always nice when you can actually go into a butcher shop, butcher department of a grocery store and sort of develop a rapport with the people that are behind the counter, you know, maybe let them know that you're a, you're a decent human being and, you know, ask some, <laughs> some decent questions. But, you know, even more so, a lot of times I'm, I'm not necessarily talking to the person behind the counter. I'm just sort of seeking these answers out on my own. So Abe is screwed pretty much. <laughs> He's <laughs> and that's why he's here, right? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to learn, man. <laughs> Rock bottom. <laughs> but um, <laughs> all joking aside, um, you know, so there's these USDA quality grades out there. You might have heard words like prime, choice, select. Yeah. You know, and, and prime, th- it's a small percentage of meat that's get graded as prime, and you get charged for it. But, you know, dialing in on choice. Choice is a great USDA quality grade to look for. Um, it's a pretty broad category, but usually within that um, quality grade, you're going to find a pretty decent product. And another thing, I don't know if you all have ever heard of this out there, but it's called marbling. And marbling is something that when you look at the steak, you can see these little white streaks. It's not the big fat that goes around the outside, but there's these little white streaks that are kind of running through the leaner red meat. Um, And even though it is fat, this is really, really good fat. This is desirable fat. This is fat that's going to make your steak taste delicious. It's going to be more tender. So trying to find something that's like a USDA choice grade, um, and then look for these little signs of marbling. And another one, man, you'd be in this industry long enough, would you please check the sell-by date and the use-by date? (laughs) And I hate to say it, sales are fine, but a lot of times manager special scares the shit out of me. Um, (laughs) So, you know, go for the sale, maybe avoid the manager special, check the date, uh, look for that marbling, and keep it to the ribeye and the flat iron. So Uh, what's the the date as far as, like, when it expires or when it's sold by? Because there's a difference, right? Dude, you gotta read. The sell-by date is okay, man. As long as you buy it by this date and you take it home and it doesn't spend three hours in your Arizona hot car on the way home from the grocery store. <laughs> you know, as long as you get it home, it gets into a refrigerator, you still got a few more days, you know. But if it's the use-by date, man, uh, I'm grilling it tonight <laughs> yeah, or that exactly. shit's going in the trash can. Okay. Hey, you All know, right. another tip in Arizona, too, remember, you can ask for ice. They will ice your meat for you at the grocery store so that when you have that little bit of an extended ride home. But, hey, I want to ask you about what's up with anus? What, Wait, kind, what? what kind of meat is that? Anus. Because you see that, like you're talking about... <laughs> You said choice. There's like, so like seen, the planet you You see anus, and then like, does that know what it is? Are you talking about Angus? Yeah, Angus. Oh, oh, from there, there, I thought I this conversation was, like was going to take a real what? strange no, turn. I didn't know if that was like a well, cut. Or, well, I mean, what's it, up with Angus? Mexican people do eat a lot of weird stuff in there, so I'm sure there's there is. Yeah. So I thought tripitas. maybe it was like lengua, yeah. anus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tripas, you know. You I know was, what that is, right? The tripas you oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't know if that was like for Hispanic folks or I didn't know it was Angus. My bad. Angus. So, okay, <laughs> so now that we've cleared that up, because again, I, I thought this was going to get <laughs> real good here for oh, a second. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> you got me too. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll reserve judgment on anus for a second. Yes. That's next um, week's episode, by the way. <laughs> am, am I In relationship that counseling, we'll cover that. Am I going to set that one out? <laughs> that, one's a, that one's a choice. Yeah. No, one's a, no one's pressured into that one. You can yeah. never pressure yeah. anyone. So, so what? What Abe was getting at is, yeah. if you ever see the word again, Stakes. you got to throw the G in there. The Angus, Angus. Okay, beef. Yeah. That's just a breed of cattle, and that's a breed of oh, cattle okay. that's just known for yielding a better quality beef. Again, okay. let's guys, can we say it all together? It's it's Angus, Angus, Angus. Good, yeah, accent Goose. the G on that one. Yeah. So okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> For me, gente. Angus. I mean, I never had a problem with saying it, so I don't know what. Well, no, I just, you know, maybe I was looking too fast on my It's not a silent G, dude. I think that's called a Freudian slip. Look yeah, it up. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, subconsciously, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So, okay. I'm going to need a ride home. We've got the meat. Because <laughs> uh, we figured out flat iron ribeye. So, 
how do we cook these things now? What do we do on the grill? Because like I said, I have seen some horrific images on Instagram lately. Stove? You know, Memorial Day is coming up pretty Pan? soon. First day of summer, everybody's going to have the folks over, the kids swimming the whole night, and there's always that one a-hole that's, don't leave me alone, I, I know how to do this, and next thing you know, we're eating leather. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is a battle, man. I mean, this is a, a real battle here. There's, you know, those of us that, and, you know, I'm, I'm on this side of the argument, I love searing a steak on stovetop, getting that nice all-over, good, solid brown crust, and then finishing it in the oven. Um, but there's probably far more people than me uh, that like to hit that thing onto a grill. But, but I will admit that whether I'm putting those beautiful charred grill marks on it on a grill, or I'm getting a good hot pan and getting a good hard sear on it, I personally, um, if it's a steak that's got a little bit of thickness to it, and by the way, getting a steak that has some thickness to it makes it a lot harder to overcook, because let's, let's be honest, all of us, well, all of us, if you have good taste and you're a normal person, all of us would prefer <laughs> a rather more undercooked steak rather than an overcooked steak. Okay, yes. When it comes to chicken, God damn it, please don't undercook yeah, it. No, but There's no such it, thing as prime... I think we're yeah we're all on the same page as far as the steak goes here. I think yeah so you know better on the undercooked side than the overcooked side. But when it's nice and thick, you know, put those good hard grill marks it on the on the grill, and then maybe throw it on a pan and, and throw it in a you know a 350 degree oven just for a couple of minutes and let the heat kind of more evenly cook the steak all the way through, and then just you know make sure you you pull it early enough because again just don't overcook the damn steak. If there's anybody at your your your, your party, your barbecue, your whatever you're doing that wants to cook more kindly tell them in the nicest words you can that the microwave is located there in the kitchen. Um, you'd be more than happy to slice it up for them and let them ruin that shit in the microwave. And that's well, totally fine. That, so, uh, that's that a lot nicer than what? also the one that asks if you have ketchup, just for the rest oh. of the can we, For heaven's sake, can we please not have that conversation? Uh, the ketchup on the steak is just, to me, um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of a style of beef called Kobe beef or yeah. Wagyu beef, oh, but no. I, I worked in a restaurant where we actually had that on the menu, and it was an $80 supplement on top of the menu price already. Somebody ordered that shit well done and asked for a side of ketchup. No. You should have heard the roar, the tears that came from the kitchen. No. Just tell you threw them out. No, it was $80, well, bucks, 80 bucks. Yeah. Man, I didn't have to eat <laughs> yeah. that shit. And it's uh, 10 more so bucks for the side of ketchup. Since right? we're talking <laughs> about ketchup, what do we season the steaks with? All right, so... Uh, I, one of the, the biggest things you learn about professional cooking is just the proper use of salt and pepper. And I think that's one thing that people kind of underestimate. But, you know, when I got that steak, I, I don't put a laundry list of things on my steak. Because when you know how to cook it, when you know how to get a nice sear on the outside, you don't need a lot. So let me just throw it at you like this. So you take your dream steak, and you're going to put a really respectable amount of salt and pepper on the outside. And if you're new to this, when you think there's enough on the outside, consider adding just a little bit more. But you get a real nice uh, salt and pepper seasoning on the outside. And then whether you're marking it on the grill or you're doing it in a stovetop, the next thing is make sure your grill is hot. I mean, like, ripping hot. And if you're going to sear it in a pan on the stovetop, uh, make sure you got the fan turned on above the stove, number one, because you're about to make a little bit of smoke in your kitchen. But crank up that heat, put a little bit of oil in the pan, accent on the little bit of oil in the pan. We're not pan frying here. A little bit of oil in the pan, and make sure you see just a nice little bit of smoke coming off that pan. And when the steak hits the pan, it should sizzle immediately. There should be no hesitation because uh, if that pan's not hot enough, number one, you're going to get a shitty color on the steak to begin with. And number two, the steak's going to stick to the pan. And trust me, folks, the downward spiral begins oh. at that so, point. So, real quick, what's your preference on pan? Cast iron, 
aluminum, copper bottom, nonstick. What are we what, what are we working with here? You know, I, I I took the time early in my career to decide if I was going to cook good food at home, I need to invest in good pans. So I went out, I splurged a little bit, I bought a nice set. Um, can't give too many kudos on the show, but um, I, there's a brand yeah. called All Clad that I'm a huge fan of. Um, so Ray, no Rachel Ray. No, yeah, that's no. Again, we're no, not going. I'm just going to reserve the Bobby Flay collection. Yeah, we could, no, uh, Martha because the Rachel Ray at Costco is hot, dude. I see it flying off the shelves. Right, and that's fine. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so continue, all clad. If you're out there, write that down. Yeah, amazing, and, and they come with like a lifetime warranty. So it's one of those things that you look, you get sticker shock when you see the price of the pan. But you look at that pan, you know, as long as I take care of it, this is the last one of these pans I'm ever going to have to buy. Rather than you know getting something a little bit cheaper that you're going to replace every couple of years. But you know, good quality pans. You know, cast iron is great. It's it's not my favorite for for cooking at home, but you know, a lot of people love it, and that's great. Um, just a good quality pan, thin film of oil in the pan. It doesn't need to be a fancy oil. I mean, gosh, get canola oil, get a little bit of vegetable oil, just you know, a little bit of inexpensive oil in the pan. Crank that heat up, get it to the smoking point, put that steak down and let it sear damn it get a good hard crust on that steak um, you know a lot of people constantly feel like I gotta, I gotta move the steak constantly I gotta move the pan constantly one of the hardest lessons you can ever learn is just let that's it sit <laughs> that's, was, that's hard for me but uh, I know that that's one of the things you've uh, talked a lot about in, in your classes and stuff so that's one of the things I've had to learn what about butter so what's your opinion oil, on that do we need butter so butter, like whole butter, which is the sticks of butter that are in your fridge, yeah. that's not built for high heat cooking. There, there is a way to use it, um, but you want something, again, come to culinary school and I'll teach you all about clarified <laughs> butter. Accepting um, applications now. <laughs> uh, but if you, ha- again, if you're a, a weird foodie and you happen to have clarified butter sitting around the house, that's a great option for searing. But using something that's got a higher smoke point that can handle some more heat, like a canola oil, uh, like an olive oil, like a vegetable oil, is definitely a better way to go. Um, but there are some techniques where, you know, you get a really kick-ass sear on one side of the steak and then when you're happy with that crust, you flip it over, start searing the other side. At that point, sometimes people will throw in like a little chunk of butter let that brown and start basting the steak but we're moving to a much more advanced technique here and I have a hard time imagining that your average home cook wants to be throwing in chunks of butter and then like you guys said put in a little bit of fresh thyme some rosemary start basting that steak it kicks ass and it's awesome but for now why don't we just stick to oil to the basics keep so it that's hot what it's called. I thought it was like grass I thought it was some kind of like hipster grass recipe. I was like, what in the hell is that? Believe it or not, when used properly, there is some validity to that whole twig that you talked about in the butter. Uh, But uh, like anything, don't know what you're doing and results would be tragic. Yeah, Yeah, because I mean, you see my backyard, if I have tree branches in my food, that means like the neighbor didn't trim your shit. (laughs) Well, that's just your typical Mexican barbecue when you're cooking outside, you know, leaves fall on the grill and, you know, you don't, so you got all kinds of stuff picking it out there, you know, but it's like Eddie Murphy says, just sprinkles, just sprinkles. Sprinkles. (laughs) (laughs) So. That is awesome advice. Is that that anything else we need to do? What about once it's cooked? Do we need to let it rest? Like, oh, yes. So don't get me wrong. You're staring at this beautiful steak. Um, it's you know it's seasoned properly. You know it's cooked great. It just came out of the pan. It just came off the grill. It just came out of the oven. And every part of you is like, I need that now. But one of the most valuable things you can do is actually get it away from the heat and just let it sit. See? Five to seven minutes. It's called carryover yeah, cooking. Yeah, it's okay. called resting. And then after you give it a little bit of time, then dig in. And, you know, if you're just super carnivore, pick up the steak with your hand and just start gnawing at it. But, you know, if you're looking for a more civilized approach, um, bust out the knife, slice the 
this thing nice and thin, and then for heaven's sake, just enjoy the steak. If you cooked it properly, you don't even need a sauce. Yeah, do you, exactly. do you have you met me? Uh, you ha- you're a, you're a professional. You are an expert, and I trust everything you have said, and I will follow your instructions up to the let it you will sit. Not wait. Hmm. I will not wait. I will. I'm that guy that will be chewing with his mouth open. <laughs> it's still the, the 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 smoke still coming out of my mouth. There's no better pleasure. Yeah. Well, uh. you know, it's funny you say that because you just strike <laughs> me as the guy that can't wait to shove a little bit of meat in your mouth. So. Anus? <laughs> what? <laughs> with, with that said. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Chef. Um, no, really, thank you though. You guys heard that, all right? So make sure you take notes because. If I see some shit on Instagram I don't like yeah. this week, I'm coming for you. All right? We brought an actual executive chef here to teach you pukes how to do this properly. Yeah. So do it right or bear the consequences. I'll post pictures of uh, with me meat in my mouth just yes. for this so you guys can see see examples. Yeah, and we've actually taken some notes here, too, from, from Chef. And so we will put this up on our website for all those of you that don't write things down or just too stupid to listen. You can go ahead and look over it again. Yeah, and we'll post a link to the school as well and all that. So if you want more tips on that, uh, they have a ton of tips. Uh, spend seven to eight months with them here, and you'll learn all you have to know. <laughs> now, so if you think about it, if you spend eight months in school here, six months of that will be spent just cooking. Yeah, I am right. Absolutely. So, there you go. And, That's um, awesome. What else do you want to add before we go, Chef? Oh, not much, man. I'm just I'm so happy to have you guys here today and share this time together and get a chance to kind of reach out, share some cooking tips, talk a little bit about the school. Uh, pleasure to have you here. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, thank you All for right, having thank us. Thank you. Um, I got nothing else. If you got nothing else. No, that's it. So for um, Abe, uh, cook the right steak McCann. Yeah. Chef, don't put ketchup on nothing. Wolf. Damn right. <laughs> I'm Mario Aguirre, Rachel and we are out. Shit. Yeah. Uh, bam. <laughs> bam. I'm going to get murdered up in this place. I'm going to walk out of this school school just yelling, bam, bro. Right. <laughs> See what Run. happens. Yeah. Right. You burned the risotto, you stupid fuck. <laughs>